Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Dan Schultz, and this is episode 96 of the Basketball Dan podcast. I haven't done a podcast in about three months. Uh, The last one I did was the day after the NBA announced that the season would be postponed indefinitely due to coronavirus and the outbreak. But now things are kind of falling back into place a little with the league coming back. Uh, But there are rumors that, uh, well, I'll just get right to it. The NBA announced probably a week ago that they were coming back. 22 teams have been invited, where basically the everyone will play about eight regular season games and then go right into the playoffs. And there will be a play-in for the eighth seed uh, out west, especially because four of those 22 teams that are currently out of the playoff picture are like nine through 13, or really five, nine through 13 seeds out west. They were invited too. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see. There's, uh, there's rumors that the, uh, the players are, are concerned about playing in a, in a bubble setting because the games are going to take place in Los, An- or Los Angeles, right? Orlando in, in Disney World and all that. So there's a lot of concern about them having restricted access in terms of seeing their family and all that stuff because there's going to be a lot of measures taking place to make sure that the virus isn't spread and that quarantine rules are upheld as best they can. But from what I can tell, it seems like the NBA, even though there's rumors that the, that players are concerned and there's some concern with uh, with older staff and stuff, like, for example, as a Spurs fan, Popovich uh, is 71 years old, so it's like he's right in that target age range for if, God forbid, he got the virus. So, um, But with all that said, with even with all these issues and all that, I still think it's going to come back. I think it'll be a lot of fun because these games are going to be played all throughout the day, not just at night. It's going to be like summer league style if you're a hardcore NBA fan like myself. NBA Summer League, all the games are played throughout the day. And that's going to work well with quarantine in the sense of, like, a lot of people are working from home right now. And just to have a game on in the background while they're getting work done, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be doing that, even if they're not going to tell their bosses they're doing that, let's be honest. But I think think it could be a hit. This is a nice little test run for the NBA to kind of see and experiment with new formats and stuff like that. Um, especially the play-in tournament style. Uh, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, has been on record saying, you know, he's kind of envious of how March Madness is set up and would love for the NBA to kind of have some play-in tournaments similar to that. So this is, this is a good, as good a time as any to try some stuff out. So the season is going gonna to start back up in late July, and uh, the reason they're playing eight regular season games is so that they can hit that 70 game threshold that needs to be met in order for the league to get their TV money from the TV deal, because that's what, what's in the contract. And I, it's interesting, like, I've heard a lot of people say, what's the point of these eight games? It's, it's all about money. What's the point of these eight games? It's all money. That's all it is. But then like, I saw, like, Damian Lowe last week, he said, like, well, if there's only going to be, like, eight regular season games, like and we don't have a real shot to make the playoffs, I don't, I don't want to play. 
And it's just like, well, dude, you should have thought of that before. You, you should have, like, the Trailblazers have not been good this year. And it just seemed kind of whiny. It just kind of seemed like, like, I love Damian Lillard, but it's like, dude, maybe you should have been better all throughout, what, the 62 games you played so far this year? I don't know. Maybe that's the forefront of the issue. Instead of, you know, complaining that, oh, we don't have a decent shot if it's only going to be eight games. It's like, huh, maybe play better during the bulk of the season. I don't know. That's, that's an idea. Just throwing it out there. But I think overall a lot of people are excited. The NHL is also coming back. That'll be really cool. They're going right into the playoffs, which I think is technically better, to be perfectly honest. But when you consider the money at stake for the NBA, they kind of have to do this. There's no, there's no other real alternative. Um, and it, one, one other uh, quick thing I'll mention is that there's a rumor, all here say for, but I've, I've read several articles saying that the NBA is, is considering piping in crowd noise from NBA 2K to serve as some kind of format. Um, I've, I've heard soccer's been doing that with kind of mixed to negative results because the commentary doesn't match up with the the supposed crowd noise sometimes or whatever that's being piped in. So hopefully the NBA can kind of learn from what they've done wrong so far and fix that. But I, I'm, I'm not even joking around when I say, like, I think it's because, like, we all know that players talk a lot of trash and curse a lot. And <laughs> the NBA needs some kind of, like, buffer uh, crowd-wise to keep – younger viewers and families that are watching the game from hearing their favorite players say the F-bomb or some other words that are bad, like every, you know, however many seconds. Like, I mean, it happens all the time, but when you're watching a game, you can't hear it really. You hear it every once in a while, you know, when a player, like, falls down into the cameraman or whatever and says something that's picked up. And they, and they usually try to tape delay that by five seconds so they can cut it out, and then there's, like, an awkward silence. But you're like, yeah, oh, gee, I wonder what he said. Hmm. Awkward silence, guy looking frustrated right by the cameraman. Hmm, yeah, I wonder what he said. So the NBA needs some kind of like crowd noise or buffer to, uh, to, to keep that, to, to minimize the amount of uh, stuff that's going to be heard on the court, which I was kind of excited to hear. But, uh, you know, I mean, in the heat of the moment and stuff like that, I'm sure a lot of stuff is said. Uh, between those players, which would be fun to hear, but from a family atmosphere and younger kids and all that hearing it, it wouldn't be good for the NBA's image, I think. So that's why they're doing that. So we'll see if they, they go through with that. Obviously, in addition to coronavirus, the other big story during 2020, which this isn't saying anything original, but if we did a power rankings in terms of terrible years, 2020 has to be in the top five all time, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty bad between this pandemic that is going on and, and then you throw in, uh, and I'm just going to talk briefly about it, but the death of George Floyd and everything and uh, the response to that. And uh, it's been interesting in the sense of like, I just, I always assumed, you, you read about pandemics and you read about a lot of like race stuff that happened in the, the 50s and 60s and, and civil rights movements and all that stuff. And you just... I don't know if it was just arrogance on our part or thinking that we're more technologically and societally advanced or socially advanced compared to those eras, but I just, I never thought it could ha happen like this uh, in the sense of, well, especially the pandemic. I mean, you, you hear about the 1918 flu, I think, or 1917 flu and other, other stuff, and you're just like, well, you know, we got, we got our stuff figured out, you know? 
it's 2020. We're so technologically advanced and uh, we're, we're good. Like that's not gonna happen. There'll be little, little outbreaks here and there, but we'll be able to contain it. And then this has shown that just how disorganized everyone is really. Um, and then you throw in the fact that we're kind of in the last stages of like hardcore quarantining and then the George Floyd death uh, happens and now you've got nationwide protests. Uh, justifiably so in a normal environment, but I am personally a little concerned that there's going to be, there was going to be a second wave of coronavirus regardless, and they were projecting that to be in the fall, you know, as the weather got colder and all that stuff. But this might, this might speed up that a little bit. It'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks or whatever, how many more new cases there are. Um, but yeah, I mean, the George Floyd death was extremely upsetting. Uh, I didn't know Steven Jackson. I, I found that out after, uh, you know, a few days or whatever after it happened. But Steven Jackson was very close friends with him, and uh, they kind of look alike too. He called him he called him twin. That was his nickname for him. And uh, ja I, I've always loved Steven Jackson. He's always been kind of he's one of those guys you love to have on your team, but he's also like an agitator. He's he, one of those guys you love to have on your team, but when you're playing against him, he might drive you crazy with some of his antics. But I always really loved him on the Spurs. He did. He he, he played with him two separate stints, um, including on the 2003 title team where he hit he hit some big threes in the fourth quarter to help win win that title for him. So I'll forever love him for that. And it's been really cool to see how he stepped up. And I don't think it's posturing from a from a PR angle. I think it is it is genuine, where he's already uh, said that he's going to pay for. Gianna Floyd, uh, George's six-year-old daughter, he's going to pay for her tuition, and if it's okay with her, he'd like to walk her down the aisle at her wedding. The second might be a little, you know, that's, that's kind of putting a little pressure on her in the future. I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, well-intentioned nonetheless. Um, but I'll be very interested to see how the NBA responds to all this stuff, not just coronavirus, but just uniformly the NBA has basically been very good in terms of how they've handled something like this. But if there's, when the NBA starts up again, it'll be interesting to see what kind of protests, what kind of shirts are being worn, the I can't breathe and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how that's all, uh, how that's all done. One other quick, quick story that uh, is a little pandering to whatever Spurs audience I have. I'll only talk about it for a minute or two, but uh, with the NBA coming back, the Spurs announced that LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be out for the rest of the season due to uh, he had uh, a surgery on his shoulder back in April. It didn't, it didn't just happen. Everyone was like, why would you get it? You know, this was announced like two or three days ago, and all the people out there were like, why would you do it now? You had three months to do it. It was done back in April. Okay, read the article. Don't just look at the timing of the, the announcement. Read the actual article. It was done back in April. They didn't say anything. So they, you know... At the same time, this still further, and again, listen, I get it. I'm a, I'm a spoiled Spurs fan, right? I saw, I've seen them win five titles in my lifetime. I said after the 2014 title that I could go the rest of my life without seeing my, them or any of my teams win a title again, and I'd be happy. And I mean that. At the same time, stuff like this just further shows just how bad their management has been, which I, I, ne I have never seen an organization do such a violent 180 
within a matter of a couple of years. And I don't know if it's feeling sorry for themselves about the Kawhi thing and how he, he treated them on the way out and basically screwed them over and tanked his trade value and threw their medical team under the bus and all that, all that really bad stuff that happened. But they, if that's even part of it, they need to get over it. I mean, you throw – I've been saying for a year and a half, I, I, and, and people that have listened to my podcast, they, they know I've said this, and I, I won't harp on it too much, but this is why you should have traded DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge for picks and prospects. Not even this past trade deadline, which you definitely should have done. You should have done it a year and a half ago at last year's trade deadline. I don't understand why the Spurs, who are for, the, for a majority of the last 20, 25 years, they have been so ahead of the curve in terms of trends that are happening in the NBA. You know, small ball coming in or, or, or big men shooting threes. They, they started Matt Bonner at center back in like 08, 09, and everyone's like, what are you doing? And it's like, well, he can shoot threes and that space is the floor. And more teams started to adapt that. I'm not saying they were the first to do that, but stuff like that where they were, they were a cut ahead of everyone else and they are now so many cuts behind the rest of the NBA and it's, it's ridiculous. It's just I don't understand why they are paying two aging mid-range shooters ridiculous amounts of money. And now with the coronavirus thing, DeMar was going to be a free agent and probably walk this summer. Now he's probably going to uh, pick up his player option, I, I think. I could be wrong about that and probably stay on for another year, and then we're stuck in another year of purgatory where nothing is happening, where we're just stuck in between, and we're not progressing towards rebuilding, and we're not progressing towards a title. So, and, and this, the reason I'm saying all this is because this injury further cements my case as to why you don't, not only do you not pay these guys, Aldridge and DeMar, who I like as players, but they are way overpaid in this day and age of the NBA being nothing but threes and layups. And they are two mid-range shooters, two aging mid-range shooters. LaMarcus is like 34 or 35. And this, and this injury, you know, the older you get, the more prone you are to injuries. And this is exactly why you should have traded them a year and a half ago. I just think, for as much as I love Pop, I just think he's been checked out uh, ever since Kawhi left. I just think, like, he wanted to, to get to being the coach of Team USA and then call it a career. And it's kind of holding the franchise back because I'm not saying the, the return for Aldridge or DeMar would have been exceptional or whatever, but if you did it a year and a half ago at the peak of their trade values, you would have gotten at least some kind of decent return, and you clear the clear room and playing time for guys like DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, those types of players to get more experience, and yeah, you're probably going to be bad, but you get maybe cap relief, you get maybe a pick or a prospect, and you get to start rebuilding. You know, what happened with Kawhi sucked. If, we, if Kawhi was still on the team, he'd, he'd still be, the Spurs would probably still be a contender, but he's not on the team anymore. Got to get over it. You got to start rebuilding. And uh, their newly promoted GM over the summer named Brian Wright has just done nothing. Like literally done nothing. If anything, like them trading away Davis Bertans, who was one of the most accurate three-point shooters for nothing because they thought they were getting Marcus Morris. I mean, that's not totally their fault, but you got to, you got to basically have Morris in the building before you agree to a, a trade like that. You, you basically have to have Morris like ready to sign right away and in the building so you can agree to that trade. Because, I mean, they thought they were getting him, and then he backed out, and they had already traded Bertons. But Brian Wright has done nothing so far to impress me. And it's tough to follow in the footsteps of R.C. Buford and, and uh, Pop in that regard in terms of 
managing the team, but uh, do something, dude. Stop, stop paying two mid-range shooters a bunch of money and actually try to get something out. of it. It's probably too late now, but it's just it's been frustrating the last couple of years seeing a once so stable and so smart front office just basically be so behind on the times and just unwilling and stubborn to change. So anyway, that's my rant about this whole injury and Spurs overall season and all that. Uh, real, real quickly, on top of the George Floyd stuff and, and all that, I wanted to review what I think is the, uh, the best album of the year so far. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't listen to too many like new albums because I think new music is just not to get on my old man chair. Uh, I, I just think new music is so narcissistic and so uh, just so much self-promotion and just ha- how amazing people are and stuff like that. And I, it's just all a front for general insecurity, I think. I just think it's a bunch of like BS, really. It's like, why can't you just, why do you gotta, t- why does every hit song have to talk about how awesome the person thinks they are? I, I just, I, I personally have never connected to that. I find that like, that kind of arrogance kind of off-putting. Uh, but with that said, I mean, uh, there are shades of that for sure in the new Runs, Run the Jewels album, but in terms of timeliness from a political angle, and they're a very politically motivated group, they're kind of like the rap version equivalent to Rage Against the Machine in some respects, which is ironic considering uh, that Zach De La Rocha, the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine, uh, is on, I think, two tracks. And um, it's a great album. It's... It tackles stuff like police brutality and social warfare and uh, money and how it's distributed and all that kind of stuff. But not only are the lyrics just incredibly well written, and uh, I've never understood why Killer Mike is not more popular than he is. And he's starting to gain more notoriety, especially after um, he had a speech about a couple weeks ago. Uh, basically saying he comes from a family of police officers and, and the, the looting needs to stop. The protesting makes sense, but the looting is, is, is not right. And it's a pretty powerful speech if you haven't uh, seen it yet. But I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. And um, not only are the lyrics really, really good, uh, some of the beats they come up with are incredible. I'm not very big into like much rap, as I kind of touched on just, just now, like nowadays. But... I, for whatever reason, they, they really stand out. Maybe it's because they've included guys like Zach Dota Rocha and, and Joshua Hame from Queens of the Stone Age, another band that I really love. Uh, he's on one of these tracks too. But this is a great, great album. And the more I listen to it, it it's going to be... It, it, they, they actually rushed the release of this album because they, want, because they knew how timely it would be to get it out with everything going on right now. And it's, it's proven to be the right move all around. So anyway, uh, if you like hip-hop rap and you like politically kind of motivated stuff with good writing and good beats behind it to support it, definitely recommend Run the Jewels 4. Uh, I would probably give it a perfect rating, if not very close to perfect. It's a, it's a great record. So that's my quick review on that. As always, I really appreciate anyone listening. I, I actually figured out it wasn't hard. I just I can't believe I never got around to doing it. Uh, within a couple hours, this, this podcast will be available also on Spotify. So if you have Spotify, check that out too. Um, this album, this album, this podcast is also available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud. Um, if you could just take a minute to rate and review it and also subscribe if you like what you're hearing, I'd really appreciate it. 
hopefully I'll be back soon with another pot. Hopefully not another three months go by. I don't think there will be. I think I'll be able to come up with more topics and stuff like that. So thanks as always for listening and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Bye.